show up and it was really it was kind of like the first time that we saw each other um at the Dublin Festival of Brass it was kind of the first time we've seen each other since all this pandemic stuff so there were lots of of excited people to catch up and and uh, lots of mingling between the bands um in the hallway the hallways got clogged a bunch because everyone was like oh my gosh I haven't seen you in how long so I can't imagine how awesome it's going to be like at MABA when everyone reunites there as well. Well, that's 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 going to be an interesting thing. So we're we're here at the uh, the pre NABA episode of of Brasscat of the New World Brasscast, and our guest is Mark Taylor, who is the contest shape committee chair for the board of directors. And a little later, we'll be joined by Kent Eversmeyer, who is the Brass Band of Huntsville on-site organizer for all things local in Huntsville. And it should be a, a fun fun conversation to hear about all the things that are in store for us as, as we probably have forgotten what NABA competition has been like. So welcome to Mark. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we, we've, um, we probably should start off with, uh, you, know, the, you know, everybody should know now we're, the contest is going to be in Huntsville, Alabama. And it's a new location. We've been in Fort Wayne pre-pandemic, and we'll be in Huntsville post-pandemic. Um, this is we've missed two competitions. The the timing of that has not been been great. So, you know, April was has always was hit the worst in terms of the competitions. I think the the world or the European Championships were in the same situation. They missed the same two that we have, uh, and I think their competition is the same weekend as ours in Birmingham. Um, but we've got, um, I think the most exciting thing that's coming out of, out of this, uh, this competition is the commission for the championship section, the Paul Lovett Cooper piece. So I uh, want to get Mark's opinions about that because he's one of the few people who have played it. Yeah, we're really excited about being able to uh, commission a new work that's, um, that's for the, the association and, and for our bands. Um, and to have a composer of the stature of um, Paul Lovett Cooper um, writing for us, it, it, it just feels really special. And, um, you know, I, I remember receiving the score for the first time and, and getting a look at it. And there's something, um, you know, a lot, of our, a lot of our brass band repertoire, the contest music is, you know, extensively recorded and, uh, you know, so many pieces have achieved iconic status. You can go online and listen to different bands interpreting them and, you know, you, you get really familiar with them. But being able to approach a piece just completely cold, just, you know, staring at the page, looking at the notes, trying to put it together in your head, you know, and all of our players are doing the same thing. Um, it's, uh, it's been a really, really cool challenge. And uh, what an amazing piece. It's, um, it, it has a little bit of everything that you would, would want in, in great brass band repertoire. Um, it's, it's full of incredible levels of technical challenge, um, but there's really some, some, some beautiful tender moments in the piece as well. Um, great moments for soloists to shine. Um, and uh, it just has a tremendous energy about it from from right from the get-go uh, and I, I guess that's what we've come to to love about um, uh, Paul Lovett Cooper's music you know um, and uh, but this it feels like this piece um, even ramps it up to a, a, an extra level of excitement you know um, yeah. so so it's been it's been really fun to work on this piece and put it together and and share ideas with the musicians. I mean, for me, as a conductor, um, that's been one of the most gratifying parts about this process is um, getting, you know, obviously I'm, I'm able to have my thoughts and, and ideas and share those with the group, but also hearing from the, the players, um, sometimes it'll be sidebar conversations or we'll talk, you know, between rehearsals and they'll say, hey, I was thinking about this and how this piece, this part relates to that other part or whatever. Um, and, uh, and that's great, but also you just, you just hear it coming out and they're playing too. You know, some, someone will express an idea 
and it causes something to snap in your brain and go, oh, that that connects in a new in a new and a different way to some other part of the of the piece. Um, it's just been it's been really great, and I can't wait to hear what all of the other uh, bands in in our section championship section are are going to bring to the to the performance. It's uh, it's going to be a tremendous a tremendous thing, and what a what a great way to celebrate all of us getting back together, like you were talking about at at Dublin, Amy. Um, and we just uh, recently uh, went to St. Louis for the for the Gateway Festival. Same thing there. You know, we saw people we haven't seen in in three years. So um, it's uh, it's really great, and and I'm really excited that we get to premiere this piece uh, in, at such a a wonderful time of of regathering and reconnecting. It, it also seems kind of uh, interesting that the title of the work and from the darkness. Well, it was intended for a different meeting, you know, altogether, but it, it kind of plays into the, you're coming out of the pandemic and getting back to it, coming out of the darkness. It's, it's, you know, it has the potential to be, you know, fairly entertaining and emotional and interesting because the bands have got to be ready to burst at the seams to, to put this thing out on the stage. Yeah. And, and to, just to add another layer to that, Tony, we started work on the piece in like the first week of January. So you know, it's at, up here, at least in the, in the upper Midwest, it's, it's really dark in January <laughs> when, you, when you leave the house at four 30 and it's, it's already dark, you know? So, uh, so this truly has been a journey uh, from the darkness for us in, into the spring light. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's going to be probably one of the most exciting things about the contest. So, you know, the, the contest, for the championship section test pieces all Friday evening. So hopefully, you know, they'll get a lot of people will go and watch that. And, and of course, you know, there's probably a good way to watch it would be on the Brass Pass live stream, which is the second, this is the second year we've done that. 2019, we also had them over to live stream that. Um, you know, so even if you can't attend the, uh, the championships live, you can still watch all the music as it happens. That's how, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, I was I was just gonna say I I loved the experience of having Brass Pass there um, uh, the the at the last competition that we did um, uh, it it was it, it just added another layer of you know kind of excitement and um, it, it it sort of underlines the the importance of, of what this event means for all of the people who are involved in brass banding in our, um, in our, on our continent. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I love that we've added that, that element and that they're willing and, and able to lend their expertise in, in spreading this, this great music to an even, even wider audience. You know, Tony, you were talking about um, the, the championship section, test piece night, Friday night, there's, it, it's really interesting to me how, how the energy uh, evolves through a NABA weekend. You know, we start with the solo and ensemble festival um, early in the day on Friday. And there's, there's a lot of coming and going and moving around people going to different rooms and, and watching their friends perform and then going over to a different place to catch somebody else. So there's lots of opportunities there to see people that, again, like we were talking about, had see people you haven't seen in, in a long time. But then everybody kind of comes together on that Friday night to watch all the championship section bands. Uh, and there's, there's just so much um, anticipation that goes into those, those early contest performances. It's, it's, such a, it's such a great, great moment. Um, and I, I know everybody's really looking forward to that. But I think that the, what Brass Pass does so well uh, is to capture that excitement with you know um, they've got they've got the camera angles they've got the interviews um, and um, I, I know they're planning a lot of uh, special things for this year's broadcast um, and so even if you're not there you're going to feel that that energy and that excitement you know coming through the screen it, uh, uh, if you will um, for the event I, I I love that we have this 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 additional way for people to to experience this uh, this great contest. Yeah, and I and I also think it's going to be beneficial because there there are people who who will not be coming to Huntsville because of pand pandemic related reasons. Uh, 
Um, you know, so, you know, that they don't have to miss out on it, even though they're not able to come. There's several bands that weren't able to, to make it because of that. And, and, you know, some of them are regular attendees at the championships. And for you whatever know, reason. And you know what else, Tony? I, 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 um, we have a lot of bands, uh, British style brass bands uh, across the United States and Canada that are not competing bands. You know, right. that's just not part of something that they do, whether it's because they're not, they're not interested in participating in that particular event, or maybe the travel is too, too difficult for them, or maybe they don't quite have a full band or whatever, but um, you know, they're still part of our big North American collection community of, of brass bands. And um, it's my hope that by having this um, brass pass, um, these broadcasts, that those people who are involved in those bands will feel connected to us just you know by hearing the repertoire, by hearing other people. Because you know, brass banding is a, it's a it's a lonely enterprise, you know, unless you're in like Columbus, Ohio, or um, you know, someplace else that's kind of a uh, a mecca or it has a, a kind of a built-in density of brass bands in your region um there's not there's there's really not a lot of other people who do what we do and i know that you have this experience where somebody who's a trumpet player or a trombone player or something comes to one of your concerts and they go oh my gosh i never knew this stuff existed or you invite somebody to sit in as a sub for a rehearsal or whatever it might be and they go Wow, I never knew about this stuff. You know, no one ever finds out about this stuff growing up in 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 um, in concert bands and orchestras. And uh, you you we all become so passionate about this genre, and yet it feels like we're the only ones. You know, we don't know any of our other musician friends who know about this and get what we do and get the repertoire and get the sound. You know, and so this is a way. You know, uh, that's what I love about about the NABA event uh, is everybody coming together in one place and you finally feel like you're in a, in a space with all these other brass band nerds, you know, who who love what we do and do what we do. And uh, and they get you, you know, they, they see yeah. you, they, they understand you. And uh, it's nice to be in a place for that short time where you feel seen and understood and. Um, and through the, the Brass Pass broadcast, we'll have another opportunity for some of those other people in other bands to connect with us in that way too. Exactly. Yeah, and, and also, um, you know, one of the interesting things that we have as opposed to what they have in Europe is, is we have a geography problem in the United States and Canada. <laughs> Everything is so far apart, you know, that it's it's literally impossible for all the bands that want to compete in a contest to go to just the one contest that we have as an annual championships. So you know we at NAB are really working to to partner up with regional events in the future to try to get access to uh, bands in every region to have an event near them, whether it's a competition or a festival or something like that. So that so that all the brass bands have something that they can go to and, and, you know, we can have the, the, the pinnacle of it be the championships, but the, everything's spread out so that everybody can attend something so that there's more of a reach and more of opportunities for bands to be at NABA events. Great. So we are about to have a, a Mr. Rogers neighborhood moment. We have someone waiting to come into the podcast. So ding dong. <laughs> I wonder who could be at the door. Should I provide a little piano accompaniment? Please? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's connecting. We don't normally have someone joining in the middle of a podcast, uh, but we wanted to have as many voices with us as possible about uh, the upcoming championship. So um, here comes our final guest. And joining us from the Northern Lights. <laughs> the Northern Lights of Huntsville. <laughs> <laughs> Must be out in the mountains. <laughs> uh, we have we have Kent Eversmeyer, who is the representative from the Brass Band of Huntsville and the the main organizer and driving force behind the planning 
of the contest in Huntsville. So we're going to uh, let him join in with us and he can talk about things uh, all local to Huntsville. And I, I think that's one of the things we should talk about next, since Kent is here, is the move to Huntsville. Uh, we were in Fort Wayne for roughly six years. It would have been six years if the last one wasn't canceled due to the pandemic. And the growth of NABA and number of NABA bands competing at the contest grew exponentially, you know, almost by a factor of two or a little over that in the time that we were at Fort Wayne. And most of those bands were centered in the Midwest. And the NABA board decided overwhelmingly to move to Huntsville to see if we could generate that kind of interest in the South in a different region. So that, that's a, a big reason why we went to Huntsville, but also Kent and his team put together a really, you know, have a really good building and layout and it should provide a really great experience. So I wanna, wanna ask Kent, you know, to, to jump in and tell us a little bit about the facility at the Von Braun Center, where everybody's gonna be focusing their main, main activities for the event at the end of April. All right. Well, good morning, Tony. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on. And my apologies for being tardy because I actually was on another Google Meet discussing some really incredible details about things that are going to be happening for the bands that are coming to participate in NABA. Uh, first of all, I, uh, my name is Kent Eversmeyer, and I am part of the brass banding movement here in Huntsville. I actually play tenor horn with the Brass Band of Huntsville. And uh, I'm also president of the board of directors. And uh, when this idea kind of came to us around 2018 to start thinking about, uh, should we try to put in a bid to host NABA? Uh, it's that, that sort of landed in my lap as uh, president of Brass Band of Huntsville to form a team and go forward. So that is exactly what we did. We formed what we were calling Team Huntsville and that starts with the mayor of Huntsville. Mayor Tommy Battle is very behind the, uh, very much behind the music scene in Huntsville. So we have the city of Huntsville behind us. We have the Convention and Visitors Bureau behind NABA. We have the Vaughn Brown Center where we're going to host the event uh, squarely behind NABA, as well as other organizations such as Arts Huntsville and Downtown Huntsville Incorporated, uh, members of the city council, the president of the city council are all 100% behind NABA coming. Uh, and uh, Huntsville's a little unique. We are very much, uh, it, it's a unique environment that the entire city supports the arts. Huntsville has what's called a music officer which is a position that works for the mayor of Huntsville. And his job is to make sure that rules and regulations and guidelines doing, having to do with anything in the city of Huntsville commerce is music friendly. So anything from a youth orchestra to the symphony orchestra and all the arts organizations in between um, on the music scene, we've got advocacy all the way up through the mayor of city of Huntsville. So we're, we live in a very blessed location uh, with a very progressive mindset uh, to include this type of life-changing events for the people of Huntsville and people that want to come visit Huntsville. So to say that we're aligned is uh, almost an understatement. Everybody is excited about brass bands coming to Huntsville. So, um, Tony, your question was uh, uh, something about the Vaughn Brown Center. So the NABA championships will be hosted under one roof, under one roof, and each world-class performance venue is within a five-minute slow walk to each venue. Uh, no unbelievable staircases or winding stairwells down into the basement with an eight foot high ceiling to warm up in. None of that. Uh, we, we have, um, we have two really two fantastic uh, performance facilities for the bands. The first and the centerpiece is called the Mark C. Smith concert hall and it seats about 1800. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful stage with a, a wonderful acoustic shell for the performers on stage. 
so that will be the main uh, uh, the main uh, competitive stage. And the other is called the Von Brown Center or VBC Playhouse, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of a theater in the round uh, as the second venue. And it is, is such an intimate um, performance venue. Uh, anybody that that is in either of these locations should have wow moments. And like, wow, the acoustics are great in here. Or I can't believe I get to sit this close to those solo cornets or whatever's turning them on to be there. Uh, they're both really fantastic venues. Uh, and you couple that with the third venue that we have and we're using for the solo and ensemble, part of the solo and ensemble competition, uh, I believe the uh, mid and high voices will be in what's called the salon number three of the Von Brown Center North, uh, North Hall. So really three main contest performance venues uh, spread out and uh, ready to go and ready to receive uh, all of our competitors and the uh, participants. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to, to, to mention the difference between the two um, band performance halls. The concert hall is, is a standard, very large, you know, orchestral symphony hall. Um, you know, the stage is, is far away from you, but the acoustics in there are spectacular. The playhouse is the interesting one because it doesn't look like the acoustics would be good in there, but the acoustics are very good in there. It, it looks like it's a black box theater, um, but it is small. I think, what is it, 350 seats or 400 seats, something like that. Um, so it has a different sound to it, but it's very clear. You can hear the bands really well. Uh, the, when you're on the stage, the bands feel like they're playing in a large concert hall and the audience is going to be right on top of them. So it is going to be a very, very different, intimate type of experience in that room, which is going to be pretty cool. The sound is, is still really, really good, even though the, the, the hall is small. Um, it, it's, going to, it's going to be really nice to, to hear bands in there. So, Tony, uh, you, 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 I'm sorry, you had, uh, you had your board of directors come visit us this past uh, August. Yes. And so uh, we did a uh, brass band of Huntsville kind of did a uh, sound check for your board, just to kind of remind you of what happened there. We played three tunes. We played a hymn tune, and then we played Danny Elfman's theme from Batman. Kind of covers the uh, the gamut in dynamics and uh, and sound volume uh, presence in that hall, and then and then plus a march. Well, you heard that without an acoustic shell. Since August, Brass Band of Huntsville and our team, we have found an acoustic shell to put in that playhouse. So even what you experienced in August is going to be up another quantum level of uh, intimacy with the audience and uh, how awesome it's going to sound to the performers on stage. Yeah. Mark, you wanted to jump in? I was just going to mention that, that when we were down there for our annual uh, board of directors meeting, we, we did get to hear the Huntsville, uh, Brass Band Huntsville perform in that space. And uh, it was, it, it really was quite astounding, just like as Tony described, um, you, you walk in there and you kind of wonder what the acoustics are gonna be like, it's, it's very positive, yeah. And, and I'm really excited to hear what the band sound, will sound like with the, with the shell behind them. Uh, that's gonna be terrific. Yeah. And Go ahead, Amy. Sorry, go ahead. What was your, I was just, I'm, I'm poking in here as a, as a performer. I always find that the biggest variable seems to be the sound of percussion and how it reacts in the hall. I would love to hear your uh, thoughts on, on, on that because some, in some halls, like you can't hear percussion right up front, but you can hear it throw all the way to the back and some, some, you know, percussion seems to, to overpower and some you're like, do you have percussion? Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on percussion in that, in that space, since it's, I don't have yeah. experience there. From what I remember, the, the, the lower, the low percussion, like the bass drum was fairly boomy, but we're not going to put an acoustic shell behind the percussion. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on the sides, if I remember correctly, right, Kent? Well, we've got two different options and you can tell us what you would like. I've got a seven panel, seven panel winger, uh, portable, uh, acoustic shell, 
And so we can place those seven panels however you wanted to have them. We originally spoke about putting two panels in the wings so that we would funnel uh, that sound accordingly like that. So uh, again, we've got great flexibility uh, to either have the entire stage uh, with a with the wall, acoustic wall behind it, or we'll just have them on the wings. Point yeah. is, we've got great flexibility to make this wonderful. And uh, I appreciate your comment, Amy, on, uh, on the percussion, because as a brass player, sometimes that's annoying. Oh, yeah. darn percussionist. <laughs> we, we, uh, we didn't get to hear uh, a, a live performance in the concert hall, um, but it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a state of the art uh, facility. Um, you know, it's always a little bit of a, a guessing game uh, as a percussionist myself. Um, whenever you walk onto the contest stage, um, the first variable is what are what are the what are the actual instruments that you're going to be playing? Because I mean, it was it'd be like if somebody handed you a new euphonium and said, "Here, play a competition on this." Okay, ready, go. <laughs> um, and you know, every set of timpani has its own quirks and foibles, and you know, every every vibraphone, you know, pings a little bit differently, and chimes are always a a, a guess. And tam tam, oh my goodness, you know. But but the great thing is. Um, that uh, Hunts, the folks in Huntsville have, have sourced um, some really fantastic uh, uh, percussion equipment for us to use this year. Um, it, it isn't going to change the fact that all the percussions at the contest will still be walking on stage for the first time and seeing this, these instruments and playing them you know, live in a contest setting, but we know the equipment's gonna be really, really first rate. Um, and, you know, and, and part of, what you were asking about, Amy, um, part of that is just the job of a competing percussionist in a brass band. You gotta walk on stage, use your ears, trust what you're hearing. And the hall does play differently. So we, we really encourage, like in our bands, we encourage the percussionists to get to some of those early performances, sit in the hall, sit, sit in different places in the hall, sit in the front, sit right. in the middle, sit in the back, sit in the balcony. Um, and see see how the sound is traveling, which instruments are very live, which instruments are seem to be muffled, you know, and you know, use your instincts as a performer. You know, some that's I guess part of the fun, excitement, challenge of, of live contesting. Um, but we'll we'll certainly know know more about how the halls uh, function after this year's competition. But we're we're really eager to to hear everybody play. So uh, let me let me jump in right there. So the the concern that both of you just had on percussion equipment, uh, what Brass Band of Huntsville is currently planning is you know we've tried to uh, tried to take up the rehearsal coordination a notch to what we've experienced in any other uh, NABA competition. So when your bands signed up to for rehearsal times the rehearsal equipment at the Vaughn Brown Center, the bands that are competing in the concert hall, they will be rehearsing on the actual percussion equipment during their rehearsal spot, during the rehearsal time. Same thing, and that, that equipment will come from what we call the ballet room. The, the percussion equipment for the playhouse will be in what we call the symphony rehearsal room. So those percussionists, if those band directors followed your lead, Tony, Mark, if they followed your lead to sign up and let us help coordinate those rehearsal times, their percussionists will have the opportunity to practice on the exact equipment that they're going to compete with. So yeah, that'll be if, one step towards that. that. That's if their practice session is in the Von Braun Center, correct? That is correct, but the good news outside of that is the uh, the other three external rehearsal facilities all have fantastic equipment. They're not going to be going, oh man, why doesn't this vibraphone work? Which was a complaint from previous venues. The vibraphone's on stage, there's no place to turn it on, no power to move the motor. So we're trying to make sure that all those details are uh, covered as best we can and to make sure that the uh, percussion equipment and the other external right. venues are, um, are are up to snuff, if you will. Yeah, that's awesome. 
other the other thing that I heard, and I wanted to to hear from from you since you know the space. I've heard that this uh, venue is is much more uh, friendly for those who are who have difficulty getting around. Oh, that's that is great. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, there are no stair requirements in the Vaughn Brown Center. Each of these venues, like I said, are under a five minute slow walk from venue to venue. Same roof. You don't have to go outside. You don't have to go up and down stairs. There are stairs available, but there are <laughs> ample elevators to get tubas and percussion equipment uh, anywhere that needs to be. So, uh, and, and we're asking, and the, this is, Tony, you're hearing this fresh, is we're in the process of ranging if uh, there are uh, participants with mobility issues and they need to get from one venue to the other. Uh, we're working on getting a series of uh, indoor golf carts that they can uh, hop on and go from one place to the other. Uh, and, and, you know, Amy, you're, you're, you're a real good straight person on the fact that we've thought through the loading and unloading of, uh, we've got designated unloading areas for the buses. We've got designated loading and unloading for people that need accessible entry uh, and then uh, that uh, accessible parking. So, we have that in place. We have parking attendants lined up that when they see a bus coming in and they see people that are mobility challenged, this is the information they're gonna be getting to say, hey, you need a hand in. Um, so we're trying to be sensitive to that and make this uh, as easy to participate in either as a performer or uh, just as a fan. But yeah, everything under one roof, everything under a slow five minute walk between all three of those wonderful venues. And, uh, and speaking of wonderful venues, the, the one venue that, that is in an upper stair location of which there are elevators to get to, it, used, it was designed as the Huntsville Symphony Orchestra rehearsal hall from day one. We just get benefit of that. It's got these great hardwood floors and acoustic tiles and angled walls and great lighting, everything that you would want to have uh, in, a, in a, uh, a, a symphony rehearsal venue. We've got that as, a, if you will, our third uh, uh, competition stage. Yeah, and, and another thing that's awesome about this facility is that there's a, a, an amazing restaurant right there in the building. So if, if somebody needs a break and they're hungry, they can, they can chow down or, or whatever in between bands or in a break or whatever. And it's really, really good. So you, don't, you really don't even have to leave the Von Braun Center at all, all day long. But if you did want to take a break and experience some other stuff, Kent, tell us about what's across the across this field there for what oh. they take part in. Well, thank you very much. In fact, the reason why I was tardy this morning to your, uh, to your call was that uh, I had a uh, meeting with the uh, CEO of uh, an entity that's called Downtown Huntsville Incorporated. And uh, we kind of uh, got centered up on some of the details about NABA and uh, they're creating maps for us that, that we're gonna have available to all the directors to say, Yes, there's Rhythm on Monroe, which is this awesome restaurant as part of the Von Brown Center. Like Tony said, you don't have to leave to get a great world-class meal. Everything from the most phenomenal burgers to Russell Sprouts. And I just, it just it, their, their menu is off the, off the charts. So there's a fantastic uh, restaurant there in the Von Brown Center. But we've also got this, if you will, a list of other vendors that say, yes, I'm all about supporting NABA and these brass bands coming. And that's everything from uh, a Jimmy John's, which is nearby, close walk by, to uh, a restaurant that's called The Poppy and Parliament. One half is a pub. The other half is a British-style eatery. Also, it's right next door to Jimmy John's, which is right next door to a place called Jack Brown's beer and burger joint. It's got that kind of fare to Moe's barbecue to a place called Humphrey's bar and grill. And then a uh, uh, place called La Esquina Cochina. It's a really cool 
uh, Mexican eatery, all within easy walking distance from the Palm Brown Center. But uh, as host, we're, to, we're in the process of making all of that information readily available to participants and fans. So lots of, lots of good places to eat. Um, and, and, and speaking of eating, beveraging goes along really well with that eating. Uh, we have what's called the Huntsville Craft Beer Trail, and we have what's called the Huntsville Craft Cocktail Trail. Uh, each of those, again, are within easy walking distance of the Vaughn Brown Center. And Uber and Lyft are, are very rampant down there, and there's actually a trolley system that runs. So there's a, if it's a beautiful day, which we've ordered beautiful weather for the weekend, by the way, we just we've we've already we've already ordered that. Uh, it's but, funny. It's funny because as the only non-drinker in Naba, I'm I'm wondering how with all these great bands performing, how anybody's going to have time to drink anything. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Apparently, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, I'm the sure they'll find some time. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> So we've uh, we're, we're trying to to get all of these uh, uh, we're, we're trying to facilitate a great experience for every participant in Huntsville. We want them to we want them to walk away and go, wow, why have I never been to Huntsville before? Because we we're we're very much in love with the city. We're very blessed to have this kind of art scene. And from the very top, from Mayor Battle, Mayor Tommy Battle. Uh, having that kind of support for music and especially brass banding uh, here in Huntsville. Uh, brass Band of Huntsville, we are what well, we used to call ourselves the original, the only brass band in the state of Alabama. We've helped two other brass bands get started now here in the state of Alabama, one of which will be coming to compete. So we're very excited about that. Uh, and that, that fits very well within our mission to kind of spread the brass band love. We, yeah. we love doing it. We love playing for audiences. And this this just fits into uh, everything we enjoy doing. The Brass Band of Huntsville has been working very carefully to <clears throat> work on a, providing a great experience for all the bands that come. But the, the board of directors has also, especially the contest committee, has been working on the experience for the user as well. And one of the things you can't <clears throat> ignore at a brass band competition, excuse me, <clears throat> is the fact that it's adjudicated. And one of the, the big topics for us on the contest committee is, is how to improve and make the adjudication part of this uh, as, as high a priority as we can. And, and uh, I want Mark to go through a little bit about what we've done in terms of um, making the adjudication the first, first rate system that we can possibly have for this. Well, we're really fortunate on the NABA Board of Directors to have um, people who are really passionate about, uh, first of all, our, our genre, our, our activity, um, but, but also making our big annual event as, uh, as meaningful and as useful to the, to the members and the member bands as we possibly can. Um, and we have people representing a huge diversity of uh, experience and knowledge base. Um, one, of a, one of our members on the contest committee is uh, uh, Dr. John Bell, who was uh, recently retired from Southern Illinois University Edwardsville uh, and is the director of the St. Louis Brass Band. John is uh, a career uh, expert in the field of music adjudication and the research that has gone into uh, the, the science and to a certain extent, the sort of alchemy of uh, music uh, adjudication. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting because <clears throat> we obviously take our, we, we, uh, inhabit this set of traditions that we get from, you know, from Europe, from the UK, from the European bands, um, and we sort of look to them as some some place that we'd like to be a little further down the road as our bands grow and evolve, and you know that's kind of goals for us. 
uh, here in North America. But um, the reality is there's no place on the planet that knows more, that has invested more intellectual capital into understanding what goes into uh, adjudic adjudicating and assessing a musical performance than here, uh, especially here in the United States. Now, you can certainly make the philosophical argument that you know we've maybe gone too far in, in that realm. There are, there are ways in which our music education establishment has maybe overvalued competition and, and overemphasized it. But that also means that uh, there's a whole lot of people who've de devoted a lot of time and, and, and effort into thinking about how that works and how can we make the process better. So John has really helped us to gather information about um, what goes into uh, really developing a, a high quality adjudication system. We've looked at uh, the systems that are used in, in drum and bugle corps competitions, in uh, uh, music for all, or what used to be called bands, bands of America, um, and, and lots of state adjudication uh, systems uh, states like Texas and Florida and, and other places. So we've, we've tried to gather um, what we know from those uh, resources and uh, developed a, a new model for adjudication uh, at, within uh, the NABA organization. And along with that, we've also tried to recruit um, some, some new uh, people to serve as judges. We're certainly not we're not wanting to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, and we, we wanna make sure that we preserve the traditions and the voices of, of people who are really you know, experienced in, in brass band adjudication. But at the same time, we also recognize that there are people who are excellent adjudicators uh, that really have incredibly finely tuned ears and sensibilities about musical performance. And if we can get them, uh, you know, a little bit of training and education about brass bands and brass band sounds and brass band repertoire and brass band traditions um, and lend their adjudication expertise to our activity, um, that's gonna make us a, really a stronger, uh, have a stronger event for everybody. So um, we've got some new faces on the adjudication panel this year. Um, uh, new to NABA, not certainly not new to adjudication. Um, they're all highly experienced in the field of um, of adjudication, but they're but they're going to be uh, providing uh, a new level of of uh, of judging experience uh, for our for our bands. I think it's going to be really useful for people um, and. We, John has already spent uh, quite a, invested quite a bit of time in working with those judges to make sure that they understand the repertoire, understand what brass band contesting is all about. And uh, I think people are going to come away with, with great information. And I think it's also worth, worth mentioning that we're, you know, the focus of what the adjudication is going for in terms of um, using a criteria-based numbering system to keep the judge to give the judges some some aiming points to to focus what they hear and where the, and what a number means so that so a number will have specific meanings to it which not only helps the adjudicator be more reliable about their placement but also over time will help the artistic directors um, realize what they need to improve with their band not only will the audio commentary help them uh, but the score will be the thing that really tells them the most important thing they need to know. If you're, I think that. Yeah. Go ahead. That, I, I think. I, thanks, Tony. I, I think that's that's one of the things that we heard the most from uh, from member bands as feedback from past contesting was that the the numbers didn't really seem to have enough inherent meaning uh, when you when you got them the point scores. Um, you know, and different judges seemed to use the numbers in different ways. And then when you combine those scores, the math gets really weird and funny. And um, 
we used to joke about Nava math, you know, and, <laughs> and so, um, so I, I think we're going to see less of that going forward with this new system because John, that's one thing that's that's really important that John has has stressed to the adjudicators um, in preparing them for this competition is um, if you have two bands that are a point apart in a particular caption, that should mean a, a certain level of closeness in their playing versus being three points apart versus being eight points apart. Those all mean different things. And I think you'll see that come out in the point. We, we're expecting to see those, those differences come out in the point total system. Yeah, and almost all of the judges, the, the judges that were within a reasonable um, travel distance um, from the re two regionals that we had have already done a trial run at Dublin and at Gateway so that they've used the sheets, they've used the software, the, the, the uh, competition suite, so that by the time they we get to the championships, they've all been been through the process and are going to be a little bit more instinctive about what they have to do. So that so that it's not the first time and they're trying to figure things out. They've already been through it. So they're they're going to be very well orientated and prepared to do their job at the highest level. We've also set up the schedule with the adjudicators in mind as well to make sure that you know the timings of everything is set so that they can do their best work when they need to do their best work. It's a, you know, you know, it's, it's a tough job to listen to 40 straight minutes of music and then do it six times in a row. You know, so it's, it's a monumental task and we're, we're doing a lot to make sure that the most important part of this competition is the competition and that that part is going to be handled with the highest reliability possible. I think uh, bands sometimes don't, you know, they, they get, they receive their draw and their performance time and they look at the schedule and they, they, they say, well, why is there such a big gap in, in between here and here? Why couldn't we just start later or earlier or something like that? And you know, it, it really all comes down to how can we structure the day so that um, you know, the musicians can do their best performing, but also so that the adjudicators can do their best listening. You know, and that it, you kind of have to put it all together. It's a little, it's a little bit of a puzzle, you know. And it is a puzzle, but it's. I think in the end, at the end of the day, I think we're going to find out that it is our intention that you know everything's going to come out how, as it should. You know, <laughs> you know that's that's the goal going into it. So, you know, and and we also um, I, I don't want to let this go by without making a special mention of the fact that we 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 do have um, a percussion clinic going on this year as well we, you know in the past NABA has tried to do some uh, some different you know outreach meetings and and workshops and things like that and we you know over time we're going to try to work some of these in in the future but I right now it's just you know we're just trying to survive like it, it's everybody that's planning this NABA is new to planning the competition. You know, over the pandemic, yes. the board has turned over and the planners of the last contest, there's very few people that are working on this one that are working on that one. Um, you know, so we're, we're kind of, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're learning a lot. And we wanted to not, you know, bite off more than we can chew, but we did make sure we have a percussion clinic because we do know that, that the percussionists need to have something there for them to, to do so so there will be a percussion clinic by Tracy Wiggins who is the percussion ensemble judge and uh, we have a, a fantastic slate of solo and ensemble judges as well and Mark can talk a little bit about those as well um, well we're 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 committed to providing a great uh, contest experience for everybody no matter how they're interacting with 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 NABA uh, if they're bringing their full band um, we have a number of groups that are coming this year where, for whatever reason, their full band was not able uh, to travel. Um, and so, but they are bringing, uh, you know, a small ensemble or a 10-piece group. Uh, and we think that's terrific. Um, and we, every year, the, the, the quality of the solo performances is just astounding. I mean, you just hear person after person come through the room and you're just blown away by, uh, by all of these incredible performances. We just want to make sure that that um, that we have really expert adjudicators, you know, um, evaluating those performances as well. So we 
we've invested a lot in identifying key people um, for each instrument family, um, high brass, low brass, percussion, um, so that so that those all those folks are are really going to have a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, and all the relevant information for for the contest is always going to be on the NABA website, uh, naba.org. Go to the championship page there, um, and I think the the last thing that's probably the newest thing that we're dealing with with this contest is the the membership roster and the membership database, which is requiring all members to be individual members of NABA signed up through the database. So we're, we've really changed how we're tracking and keeping, keeping our members um, information in line. And so talk about the purpose for that and, and why that needed to be done, Mark. Um, well, we're, we, for a while felt like um, we didn't have uh, a direct line of connection with all of our, our individual members. Uh, we, we were communicating and interacting with brass band individuals, if you will, um, primarily through their relationships with their bands. And um, we, we wanted everybody who comes to NABA, everybody who's part of a NABA band, everybody who's part of a British style brass band anywhere in North America to feel like they could have a relationship with us. So we kind of wanted to separate um, the, the idea of membership in the organization from just coming to uh, uh, the annual competition. Um, and now we feel like we're starting to be, to, to be able to, with building the membership database back it back up again kind of from ground zero we, we basically had to uh, rebuild it um, uh, from the ground up uh, but now now we're going to have a, a roster of individual people that we can stay in touch with we can stay in communication with um, we've relaunched the brass band bridge which is a terrific uh, publication um, Andrew uh, Wainwright is working on um, uh, editing uh, those for us and uh, is doing a tremendous job. And uh, we're, we want people to feel like NABA is more than just an annual contesting uh, organization. We're, we're more than that. We're here to support all brass band musicians, all brass bands, uh, wherever they may be, whether they come to the contest or not. And this is going to be a way for us to strengthen those relationships outside of the contesting environment. Um, and uh, but that means that we're putting in a new emphasis this year on making sure that everybody who is coming to the competition is registered as a an individual NABA member. So we're actually going through the process right now of uh, just confirming everybody's uh, performer roster making sure that everybody's got an active membership. And if not, um, we're happy to help them get uh, linked up with the organization in that way. Uh, but it's important. It's important that we, we know who our people are and, and how we can reach them uh, because we wanna know, uh, we wanna hear from them. We want them to provide us feedback. We want them to be in touch with us. We want them to tell us how we can be a better organization to serve their bands, to serve their musicianship better, and what we can be doing to, to support the growth of brass banding uh, here in North America. Yeah, that's great. So usually when we uh, when we get to wrapping up a, an episode, Aaron usually comes up with a question, a wacky question. So since Aaron's not here, I'm gonna come up with a question and, the, and everyone has to answer, okay? <laughs> but, the, but the question is, is what are you looking forward to the most at the NABA championships in at the end of April. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Amy on this one. Um, I am looking forward to seeing uh, Atlantic Brass Band members again. Um, for those of you who who don't regularly listen to the podcast or don't know me personally, um, we moved at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> Um, which I, I do not recommend doing that. <laughs> um, zero out of 10, do not recommend. Um, so we are in Columbus now and I'm playing with Dublin 
Um, but I think that part of, of the championships from here on out is going to be kind of catching up with those, those people who I consider family members in Atlantic and, um, hanging out with, with my new Dublin brass band family. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting to better, uh, getting to know my new brass band a little bit better because when you spend a weekend together, that's when you, you start to really, you start to, to, uh, make memories with uh, your new friends and stuff. So I I joke that I'm like I I feel like a newbie until we've gone on like a tour or like gone somewhere and done something together, and then and then all that newbiness kind of goes away. So that combination of seeing my old friends, getting to know my new friends, and just getting to getting to see everyone. I I haven't seen so many people for so long. Um, it's really going to be great to see so many people that I haven't seen because the NABA championships are kind of like a yearly reunion with so many people. <laughs> this is the one time of the year that we see each other. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing those people that I've missed over the past two years. That's, that's, that's really important. That's, I think a lot of people are going to think of the same thing. Kat, what about you? What are you looking forward to the most at the championships? Uh, really, uh, Tony, our guideline from day one, uh, the first time that uh, our executive committee got together to talk about this uh, over a beverage or three, uh, was just, we want to produce an incredible musical experience for every participant and kind of wrap that up in the, wrap that in the arms of a great Southern hospitality experience. Um, like I said, we've uh, we've ordered good weather for that weekend, and uh, we've got a great, clean, very accessible airport. We're working out. We're trying to work out any frustration points with directors. So any complaint you've ever heard from previous championships, oh my gosh, the signage wasn't good. We didn't know where to park. Where do we go eat? We're trying to facilitate that information to get it out to our participants so that we can literally produce a great musical experience for participants and fans. And we want everyone to enjoy the Southern hospitality of being here in Huntsville. That is, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna read a lot of body language and uh, be listening uh, throughout the hallways. But uh, I am there again, Amy, you're, you're spot on. There's people I've not seen since 2019. And uh, I, I can't wait for the plethora of hugs I get to give and get and uh, talk and smack with fellow tenor horn players throughout the country. <laughs> Come on. I mean, uh, tell me about that third valve slide. How are you handling that? that that's just, uh, there's just uh, so many special moments that are going to happen. And uh, we're very proud of, uh, of the plans we put in place to try to really make that happen. Um, and, and so as part of that, our, our goal of, of making that happen. As you get ideas and your listeners get ideas, we want to hear them. How do we make this better? You know, uh, we, we are wide open. Uh, there is no bad feedback. We cherish that feedback. And I'm very much looking forward to the experience and uh, getting that information back in. So it's going to be a fantastic 2022 championship. But let me tell you, if we're going to do this well in 2022, just wait for 2023. It's going to be even better. So just the uh, seeing this all come together, the uh, the amount of sweat equity that I've seen across your team, and that I know has been happening across our team, uh, it's it's a very special experience. And I can't wait. It's three weeks from this weekend, y'all. Ah, that's getting close. <laughs> I got a few things I still need to practice. <laughs> Mark, Mark, how about you? What are you looking forward to most? Well, um, so I don't know how many of your listeners uh, uh, know this, but uh, I'm the music director of Milwaukee Festival Brass. That's my main connection to uh, brass banding. And unfortunately, Milwaukee is not able to attend the competition this year. Um, but I also play in the Chicago Brass Band um, uh, I'm a percussionist, and uh, our music director uh, is taking a year of sabbatical this year, so 
um, the band asked me to conduct them in the championship section, which has just been an amazing ride, uh, incredibly challenging, um, but uh, all, also an amazing, we have such great players and, and it's been just uh, a dream to work with them. But my, my origins, uh, as, at least as a conductor, uh, belong in, in the lower sections. Um, that's, that's where my uh, band uh, you know, has historically competed in the third and the second sections. I always am blown away by, especially the last, I would say 10 years, how much growth has come out of those sections. The third section and the second section bands are light years ahead of where they were uh, when I first started coming to NABA in 2003. Um, uh, it's just unbelievable what those bands are achieving. And that is the future of brass banding in, in North America. As much as we like to hold up our championship section bands and, and you know, kind of fanboy and fangirl about all their performances and stuff, you know, it's really those lower section bands um, that are going to drive the, the organization to new heights of musical excellence. Um, and that is, for me, is the most exciting part of coming to NABA is hearing what that future is. By the same token, we're, we're, we're really fortunate this year that um, all of the youth sections have bands participating this year in the youth championship section, youth first section, and youth open section. We've got bands there. We have an open section band coming this year uh, in the adult uh, sections. So, you know, it's... It's so uh, it's so energizing. It's so optimistic to to hear and witness these bands making music. We've got bands coming for the first time that have never come to NABA before. We've got brand new bands that have just started. We've got a band from California. I'm not I'm not sure when the last Yay. time was we we had a band coming from California. The San Francisco Brass Band, um, and that that band was formed with the express purpose of coming to a NABA championship event. Um, there are a couple of other uh, British style brass bands in the San Francisco Bay area, um, but there were people within the, that community that said, we wanna go to NABA and they, they formed a band, you know? Um, that's, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to meet those folks. Uh, I can't wait to hear the new bands. Uh, it's, it's gonna be a tremendous weekend. Yeah. Uh, Tony? How about you, Tony? Oh, uh, well, I have two hats that I have to deal with for the weekend, like you do, Mark. Um, you know, as, as one of the organizers, I'm really looking forward to just not screwing anything up so that everybody has a great time. You know, my, my nightmare scenario is screwing up the awards or screwing up the scores or screwing up, you know, anything. Kent and Mark are going to make sure I don't do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I, I want everybody to, to have an absolute first-rate experience at the competition so they can spread it around and get more bands to come and spread brass banding to more people because the experience was so was so worth it. Um, so as NAVA president, that's, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to is just pulling this thing off and having it be the best NAVA ever. Um, the, as, as, the, as a competitor... Uh, I'm just hoping that that my band does two things. One is they play the best that they've ever played and they enjoyed it. And two is that they have fun, you know, hanging out, listening to other bands and and hanging out together. We, you know, our the culture in our band was probably similar to a lot of others is that, you know, they go to, go to rehearsal each week and then they go, go their separate ways. And we don't have enough opportunity to actually just hang out with each other and and socialize so you know when you trap them in Huntsville after their performance they have nothing else to do but hang out with each other and that and then meet other people from other bands and everything and that's and, and it's always fun when they do it they always love doing it. I remember in 2019 you know we went to a to a restaurant and I probably 20 or 25 members of our band were in one place at one time not with our instruments in our hands and it was it was an absolute blast so the you know so the camaraderie and the the social aspect of of the championships it, it's been so badly missed for the last couple of years and the, I can't wait to get back to, to see all that happen. 
You know, Tony, you, we were talking earlier about how um, people don't grow up with brass banding in this country and they, they come to a, a brass band rehearsal or concert for the first time and they go, oh, wow. But there's another layer to that, right? You, we all have people in our bands who are, who are new this year and who will come to NAVA for the first time that um, they, they've been with our bands, they've been performing with our bands, but they've never come to NAVA. And so I, I, I love that moment when they get, get there and they hear all these perform, great performances. And uh, a couple of years ago at, a, at an event, yes, exactly, Kent, Kent is mind exploding, brain, brain exploding. And uh, a couple of years ago at the after party after, after our performance, uh, one of those new first time at NABA uh, players in our band looked at me and he said, now I understand. Now I get it. Now I now I know why you are the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> that, well, that, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode. That's the, that's the, that's why we are the way we are. And if you want to figure that out, go to the NABA Championships and you'll figure it out. That's great. Well, thank you, uh, Kent and Mark, and for joining us for this episode. And Amy, thanks for uh, recording it for us. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha covered. Well, can't wait to see everyone in Huntsville for some great brass banding and uh, musical experiences. It's uh, we cannot wait. Team Huntsville is ready. Brass band of Huntsville is ready, and uh, we are wide open to make this the best NABA championship ever. And it's a great opportunity to welcome everyone back. Uh -huh.